Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're back in the In Snowball podcast. We've got a full episode planned for today, actually, Brad. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, we've got a bunch of great questions from Steelers fans, and then you and I are going to talk free agency as well. Um, 2024 free agent class, you released the top 50 over at Pro Football Focus, and I'm excited to get in that. And the top 100, does that come out this week, I think? Coming out this week. Yeah, a little, little sneak peek behind the curtain. Yeah. yeah, so you've been grinding the tape too. For people who don't know, Brad doesn't only just go off PFF grades and all that stuff and all the numbers, analytics, data that they have and all the contract knowledge he has and all that stuff, but Brad actually goes and watches the tape on these players too to try and have an understanding of them that way so then he can assess and rank what their value is and all those kinds of things. And if you look for contract projections and look anywhere other than what Brad's doing, you're missing it because there's the best stuff out there like consistently every year, really accurate to what uh, the contracts the players end up getting in. So I'm excited to look at those free agent rankings with you. But first, let's get into some of these questions, Brad. Uh, and I know we kind of got an hour here to do this. So let's roll right through them. Yinzer Gear. We appreciate the support says, hey guys, I know we fans focus so much on talent, Canada and Tomlin. I do see some discussion on Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, but how incredible is it that you have green go from hated and trying football to uh, fullback, sorry, to competent in Houston. Dotson goes from maddening to fantastic in LA. You have these guys talking about how being forced to change positions hurt them. And we watch Jones flailing away at right tackle after you traded up to get him at left tackle. You can't win with a line made of silk. Uh, not excusing Kenny or anyone else, but do you think that a good O-line coach and a better staff scheme can improve this line? On paper, we seem to have decent linemen, but are trying to force square pegs into a round hole. Love the show. I think this one's a little bit complicated because Kendrick Green's barely played, although, yes, he did look better in the brief time in, in Houston that he played. Dotson, I thought, was actually pretty solid in Pittsburgh most of the time. Um their issues with him were off the field. I think they felt like that situation was not getting uh, off the field's bad work ethic. They just felt like there was some type of disconnect there with him. Where like the the way he was in the building, which obviously this is part of the frustration, is the standard isn't the standard for everybody in the building, right? The, the frustrations with him that they had could easily be felt with other players that they feel like are more worth it or more vibe with Tomlin. I don't know, something like that. And they didn't feel like it was worth it with them. Dotson goes to LA is having a really good season for sure. I do think some players have gotten better and they've gotten the most of some players in, um, in Pittsburgh and the offensive line. So I don't think Pat Myers necessarily done a horrible job. It's always pretty hard to critique position coaches from our vantage point, but I would venture to say that almost every aspect of this team would be better with different leadership and, and different coaching. I, I should say that better leadership better coaching obviously I, I don't know whether the next coach will be better or not so i can't just say different because i don't know there's too many too much ambiguity there for me to feel like great certainty in my response yeah it's it's impossible we always try to suss these things out and, and give credit or blame for, for certain spots i mean you certainly can over a course of time if a coach is working with a bunch of players and then a new one comes in, I just was on a Colts podcast talking a little bit about that game. And you saw last year, like the entire unit kind of have a down year. They hired Tony Sperano and now, you know, Bernard Ryman's been good. Will Fry's the right guard, I think has taken huge strides during the season. So it's so hard to gauge. Um, but, you know, we've both seen things we like with Broderick. Um, you know, James Daniels is still a young player. So, you know, his growth, I think you can tie a little bit to, to the coach. Maybe though, may, maybe. I mean, it's it is mm -hmm. interesting. I think with like the, it's. I think it's maybe the most important position coach in football is the offensive line coach. I think they can make a massive difference. And like your Bill Callahan's, your Mike Munchak's of the world. Um, 
they can be enormous. So yeah, it's it's hard to answer, but maybe maybe there is a better option out there. Yeah, that's the hard thing to know. What to me, clearly Meyer is not like elite. I don't think would anybody would say that based on what we've seen at this point. Will they get somebody worse or better? I don't know. That's the part that we are just kind of totally in the dark about um, where it's, it makes it hard to comment. But yeah, one of the biggest struggles I have with Steelers right now, which I think is a kind of a, a little bit of a newer uh, feeling, which has only added to my concern about their staff is just the lack of ability to assess your strengths and players, players, individual strengths and where they're best used on the field. And then also the lack of uh, inability to, to to say, okay, this player's not good enough. We got to get them out of here. Mason Cole killing the Steelers for weeks. Don't make that change. Don't push for that change. Don't try James Daniels as center. Like they just don't go away from things that hurt them and they stick with players way too long. Um, the Dan Moore thing is another example of that. So even just the ability to assess that, whether that's Tomlin or Pat Meyer, I don't know, but I do think even the ability to assess that and make those kinds of decisions, like they'd be a better team if it was Chooks on the right side, Broderick on the left side. If it was James Daniels at center, I believe those things would make them a better team. Even if it doesn't, they're worth looking at based on how poor Mason Cole and and Dan Moore have played this season. So all those things really matter too. Um, Jay Gillum says, uh, what do you both believe the Steelers should do with Pickett heading into next year? Unless the Steelers get blown out the next three weeks in a row, I believe the most likely scenario for 2024 is Tomlin and Pickett both being back and the team hires a new offensive coordinator. What do you think, Brad? I agree. It's probably the most likely. It's not certainly not what I would do. Um, I mean, look, the way this season's trending, if they lose their last three games and are sitting at seven and ten, like they probably could have a top 15 draft pick, I would assume, maybe maybe even near top 10. Um, look, if you go through the scouting process and you fall in love with the J.J. McCarthy or a Jaden Daniels, I'm not sure I love uh, McCarthy. I think the tools are all there. I think he's still a very raw player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then with Jane Daniels, I, think, I actually do think Jane Daniels is a baller. I think, you know, he's undersized and there are, there are notable concerns, but you know, it was a guy that threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns against Justin Herbert, uh, back in 2019 in college. So he's, he's been a gamer for a long time, but obviously you have to change everything you do, uh, around him. So I would be open to it. And then second round Bo Nix, Michael Penix, if they're there, like, you know, in the top 45, I, I would seriously, seriously consider it. If you like any of those guys have a true camp battle, um, give no one prefer, you know, deference coming into the year, and let, may the best man win. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel the same way as you. Obviously, that I, I don't think they they couldn't shouldn't cut Pickett because that doesn't that kind of thing doesn't make sense. And trading him, there's no way he's value, so he's going to be there. So, what are your options? Really, we're going to talk about free agency in a second. Um, so that that is part of it, I think. But let's say let's put free agency aside right now. You have to consider the position in the draft, as you said. I'm not sure that I'm in love with any of these guys yet. I haven't studied them. I just watch them live a good bit. And I like some of them. I have questions on some of them. I, I really need to see Jaden Daniels. Actually, I didn't watch him. I was just ironic because he won the Heisman, but I really didn't watch much of him um, this season. And so I'll need to take a look at him and see what I think there. Um, so, yeah, I'm not totally ready to say yet about what the quarter, Steelers quarterback plan should be this offseason, but I know what it cannot be. And it cannot be Kenny Pickett as the undisputed for sure starter going into next season. Um, as for Tomlin, I talked about a couple pods ago why I think he should 100% be out. Uh, I'm done with this regime, and I believe that I'll feel that way no matter what happens over this year, next couple of years, if he stays, whatever. Um, even if they have more success than they have this year, you know, I think that should be expected. Uh, I still don't think he's the right guy to get this organization back to where it once was and needs to be. Um, so, yeah, in an offensive-minded head coach, would kind of be uh, my preference. Um, Zach, this gets into Zach's question here too. Who are some of your favorite quarterback slash OC duos we can upgrade to this off season? And this one hard to answer. I would say like, I'd be looking for a play caller to lead uh, this organization so that you're not losing that guy. If he is good, um, that would be a, a pretty, a big priority for me. I think not that I'd rule out all defensive coaches, but I just think it is a slippery slope when you're talking about it. Be, I just b- fully believe, and I think that, that the data and information we have, the successful teams show us every year that having an offensive minded, having a play caller, having a play designer, um, someone to run this that, that stuff on the offensive side of the ball year to year, having a one that's really good is really important for success in today's NFL. And if you have that uh, you, as a defensive minded head coach, you're going to lose that person uh, to a head coaching opportunity too most of the time. So. That's why that would be my target. So you can have stability uh, around the most important role in an organization from a staff perspective. As for who those individuals are, 
I truly don't know at this point, Brad, because I don't even know who's going to be available. And it's impossible to comment on OCs until they've done it. And a lot of the people I may be intrigued by are people who haven't done it. So from our vantage point, definitely my vantage point, it's really hard to comment on who I think that should be. It's a lot easier to comment on who I think it shouldn't be based on track record history. Like as I've talked about with Byron Leftwich before, like that being a non-option for me. So that's kind of just my only thoughts on it at this point in time. My only thought is, and it's a simplified thought, but it's you have to look at OCs at offensive teams. So, you know, like an Eric Bieniemy leaving the Kansas City Chiefs because he wants to call his own offense elsewhere. You know, I've mentioned the name Frank Smith in this pod before. Uh, I knew him from, and I knew him, like, knew it was on my radar because he was a Bears coach back in the day. So when he kind of came back up through the woodwork under Mike McDaniel, apparently a huge part of the run game, has a tight ends coach, offensive line, I think assistant line coach at some point in his career. So maybe you bring that run game coordinator element, um, and he would want to be a full-on OC for a team that doesn't have an offensive head coach. Um, I suppose uh, Mike LaFleur, I flip the LaFleurs every single time, but obviously Mike LaFleur uh, is with the Rams. So uh, with Jets for a year, I think he got scapegoated. Frankly, again, maybe he wants to come back out underneath Sean McVay's shadow, come be the run on offense himself. So that, that those are the targets. And yeah, I mean, I can't tell you, you know, much about them. Like you said, I, I, think, I guess LaFleur did call plays. I think he did get cute at times. There was a lot of like bells and whistles and stuff. And mm-hmm. but it's also it's a first year as a play caller. And I think that just kind of happens sometimes. And maybe they they try to like outsmart themselves and, and look like a genius. But I thought for the most part, you know, he was a competent coach. So, yeah, those are the names you're looking for. I, people keep asking me like, hey, are they going to get like XOC at a team where he's already running? Like, no, that guy's not going to leave. Like mm-hmm. you're going to get a guy who's underneath an offensive head coach um, is, is how I would look at it. It's hard not to look at everything in San Francisco just based on, I mean, you guys leave there and become good offensive coordinators, good head coaches. Like that's, I mean, that's what's happening right now across the league. You look at which offenses are creating splash plays down the field, which to me in today's NFL with how them becoming more scarce, it's, it's, it's Philly. I mean, it's not, sorry, not Philly. It's Houston doing it more than anybody else. It's San Francisco. Like those offenses are creating splash plays down the field with great consistency. And so, yeah, I would be wanting to find those guys. Like, <laughs> so how would we want to find, I mean, um, you know, those kind of coaches, I think, again, from our vantage point, we're just looking at what's available to us. We have no idea if they can speak to a team, if they can lead, if the whole people accountable, if they can manage time responsibly and, you know, treat people well, like we don't know any of that stuff for the most part. Like you, 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 you get more insight than I do into that stuff. I can only comment on like what I know and what I see uh, from my vantage point. And so that's why, yeah, I'm, I'm very much uh, in favor of those general prototypes, but I can't speak on specific individuals um, for that role just yet. Uh, Femi uh, uh, says, if money is not an issue, which non quarterback 2024 unrestricted free agent, do you think offers the biggest impact for multiple seasons. This is a Brad question right here. Which which UFA for 2024 that's a non-quarterback do you think offers the biggest impact for multiple seasons? Interesting. For I'm assuming this is all I'll say Steelers centric. Like obviously I guess so. Like, yeah, I mean yeah. cuz yeah, it, it would still be an interesting answer just here in general. But yeah, Steelers centric would take like Josh Allen off the table. Like you wouldn't be entertaining signing him. So I guess yeah, right. or, you know, or T Higgins or yeah. So which makes it interesting, right? Because my top five is a bunch of you know edge rushers, wide receiver, like a T Higgins, like you said. I was gonna mm-hmm. say Chris Jones. Like not that they wouldn't take Chris Jones, but they probably aren't gonna invest more. Uh, yeah. You know, on the, on the interior, J- Justin Medebike, same thing. So. um I mean, I guess it's it's your guy. I want to kick it back to you. I, your guy, Antoine Winfield, I think probably is is a good answer. Can play in the slot, can play the deep third, can play in too high, um, you know, can flip the field, make splash plays. Like, you know, I'm not saying they should spend top of market on a safety, but if you're asking me who can make the most, the biggest on-field impact of any pending free agent, um, you know, I guess obviously you could talk about Jalen Johnson or Legereus Sneed. I think we both love our, our guy, Legereus Sneed. But all right, I'll go with those three. But I'm I'm curious your thoughts on Anton Winfield as a guy who watches the Bucks every week, because um, I think we're we're in agreement that Legarius Sneed would be a, a, an amazing stealer. Yeah, we're dipping into our free agent conversation a little bit, but that's okay. I like that. Um, t- Winfield on Pittsburgh. Winfield's not going to go anywhere, by the way. Tampa Bay, yeah, yeah. no way. They're yeah. they're not letting him go anywhere. He'll he'll get tagged if he doesn't get resigned long term. Um, this uh, let me start generally here. I actually think there might be some like we need to talk a little bit more about spending money at safety. Like I don't know, like. 
or like at least getting two good players at safety. If you want to call it spending money, obviously for Pittsburgh, it would be too much. And so, I'm not, you know, to spend two on, you know, you'd be paying two top of the market safeties that, that can't happen. However, I think there's real value to having two really good safeties. And you're seeing that now with, I mean, just look at Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, the two defenses we're kind of looking at here. Winfield is absolutely nobody that can play next to him. Minka is absolutely nobody that can play next to him. And it's just killed their impact unless Winfield is blitzing or unless Minka's around line of scrimmage. And then what happens? Top of the defense is terrible. Both of those teams, bottom of the league right now in um, in splash plays allowed as a defense in terms of the pass game, both the Steelers defense and the Bucks defense. They have two, they have two of the best safeties in the game. They might have the two highest paid safeties in the league. And so soon. And so what does that, so just having a guy that can at least play, like think about Cincinnati's defense last year, Bates, you know, all the, a big contract or whatever that he just got this past off season, having a Vaughn Bell next to him, just a competent player. Look at Cincinnati this year without that safety play. Philadelphia, when they've had great defenses, they've had really good safety play. Those guys, they didn't spend a ton of money on it, to be fair. Um, you know, a little bit more recently, but uh, with with bringing Byard in a little bit and his contract. But yeah, even either way, like they, they have basically found it's important to have good players in the position, whether you're paying them or not. Different part of the conversation. When Tampa Bay had Winfield and Jordan Whitehead and even Mike Edwards in that third safety role, they win the Super Bowl. So anyway, I think there's a lot of value to building a defense with two really strong players at safety, especially if they're interchangeable. Winfield and Minka would be obviously like a dream combination because both can play in the box and are elite blitzers and all that kind of stuff. But both are also good for uh, single high as well. And as a free safeties Winfield, the big concern I have with him a little bit injuries over the years, nothing major, but he's been nagged and then college. He had lots of injury issues. And so that would be like the one concern I have with him, but because it hasn't been anything major during his NFL career so far, knock on wood, um, I don't feel that bad about that. I wish he made a few more plays on the ball. That's been kind of the big knock on him is that like he doesn't, he, he's always in the right position, but he doesn't really, he's not really like that great of an anticipation player in zone coverage. So he doesn't jump routes that much. We've seen flashes of it for sure, but there's no been high, there's not been high end ball production. He's a very much a play it safe type of safety, um, which there's value to. But around the line of scrimmage as a blitzer, probably he's in the conversation for best in the NFL. His position around the line of scrimmage against the run, outstanding, uh, outstanding coverage guy. Like he's great. Um, yeah, he he would he's a really good player. He probably is the answer to the question, um, in my opinion. Those corners are good as well, and I'm a big fan of Sneed, so I'd be I'd be fine with that one uh, as an answer also. Um, okay, let's uh, jump into the next one. Do you have any more thoughts on that? No, I guess now that I mentioned it, you already are spending at safety too. So like. <laughs> Yeah, it's just look. You don't get you don't get like starting caliber left tackle. Like you're not going to get that in free agency. It's not a thing. I mean, you, you could go out and get like a veteran, you know, in the same way you just got a Sumalo. But I'm trying to think of like massively high impact. I'll throw one more out there. I mean, we talked a bunch about linebacker. Now with Holcomb going down, um, you know, there are question marks there. I think there aren't any like incredible line. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's some good players. Like I mean, Patrick Queen's become a good player in my eyes. Like not perfect. More coming forward, which I guess is kind of redundant. Um, with with the Roberts to a degree, but like there are some good linebackers in the class, and now I'm blanking off the top of my head. But um, I think maybe that's the last spot I would go uh, because you really, if you spend on pr- like if you're trying to get a premium position in free agency, you're probably going to not <laughs> not do particularly well. So I think that's my answer is like safeties, linebackers, interior offensive line, um, rotational edge or rotational interior defensive line, like those type of players um, would make the most sense. So yeah, let's let's, let's throw in. I don't know uh, who are those backers can cover, and now that uh, Jordan Brooks, maybe if you want to go get like a, a pretty good coverage backer, like I don't know, what are you free what agent? You, yeah, he's a pending free agent. Yeah. yeah. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, that the linebacker is just going to be a totally interesting conversation for us to have, I think, all offseason until we see what the plan is because they kind of – it kind of worked what they did this year, and then those guys got hurt. And so it's kind of like, all right, like, uh, what do they do now? They is Cole Holcomb, I think he's still under contract, right? Yeah, two years, eight mil. It's just like, who knows if he can even start in week one? I mean, that was a gnarly injury, so right, true, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's just the biggest toss up position on the roster right now. But yeah, I think those corners, if we're talking about for Pittsburgh, my my answer would be Legarius Sneed. I think just his game, the way he plays, how complete he is as a player. 
Um, yeah, you get some flags. And but yeah, it's just a good athlete. He's so good against the run. He tackles, he can press, he can play in zone, he can play inside, he can play outside. It's just even if it didn't work for whatever reason, he plays in a really multiple scheme. You know, we've seen him match up with number ones. Like he's not a perfect player and he will get beat at times, but like that's the kind of guy you pay. Like there's just not very many questions right now. I don't think he's yeah. missed games either for them, really. Not really, no. Okay. Uh, good question though. Uh, Grant asked, "Do you think it's actually realistic that the Steelers address the quarterback position in a specific way, in a significant way?" I honestly, think Tomlin just loves Kenny and is going to ride it out with him. Also, do you know anything about the Steelers' research and development department? Do they even have one built out? So maybe I'll answer the first part. Maybe you can shed some light on the second part a little bit, as much as you're comfortable with. But I think I'll let you sort that out for a second. But I would say that I think if Tomlin stays. They will do something at quarterback, but I don't think it'll be something super significant. So your question said significant, um, um, Grant. I would say probably not super significant would be my guess. Uh, it would be like a supplementary type of move, a Dobbs edition, something like that. Hopefully more significant than that, but maybe not. Um, I think, yeah, they would want to see it. If Tomlin goes, to me, that's a sign that they're going to bring in probably real competition for Kenny through the draft. Or free agency, we'll see what presents itself. It also would matter who they hire and what that person's vision was. I don't think they would make a decision and and have a co- hire a coach to that decision. I think they'd listen to all those things in the interview process. But I do think it would be less stable for Kenny for sure. Yeah, um, I'll address the second piece. So look, he's not on the website, the, the Steelers website. I think we joked a couple of weeks ago. I like I was answering the mid answer. I was like, I don't know if I'm not supposed to say his name, but his LinkedIn page says he worked for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's public information. Uh, and so I'm comfortable saying it. Uh, his LinkedIn searches now are going to skyrocket. Uh, his name is Don- Donovan Moore. He worked for the Spurs for a couple years. Um, and then hey, this offseason. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say a good organization. Good organization. They generally sure. thought of as a good organization. Yeah, no, no. They're actually very similar. I feel like kind of like profiles. Although I don't know what the deal is. with the, Like, why are they so bad with Wemby this year? Give me a 30-second answer why they still so ass. Uh, no shooting. Vassell was hurt for a while. Uh, I think those are probably big parts of it. They didn't play Wemby at the five. They don't have a traditional point guard. They played Wemby at the four. Wemby's at the five more lately. They've been better defensively for sure. They don't have a true point guard. Jeremy Sohan was is like a power forward running point guard for them, and it just didn't work at all. So they had nobody to get Wemby the ball. So all those are big parts of it. So yeah, that, definitely a little bit uh, archaic. And well, actually, I don't know. There's something advanced actually about thinking about point guard that way in the nba but anyway i digress yes yeah, so i can digress. talk about the so anyway so yeah no it comes from the, the smart org though and, and they've been the spurs have done a ton of you know obviously pushing research forward for years for for over a decade now um the, the steelers lost someone to the dallas cowboys they had someone in a similar role he went to the cowboys because they actually like bolstered their entire department this offseason and then the, the steelers responded by hiring this kid from the spurs he are to my knowledge is the only person it's, it's a one-man department they do have someone who like has like data or analytics in his title. And I don't want to like speak ill of this person, but I, you read through his stuff and he, he sounds more like a pro scout to me, uh, which does still heavily involve a lot of data, of course. Um, but anyway, there, there's your answer. Go, yeah. go flood his, his LinkedIn page. <laughs> Interesting. C Smitty, not really a question, but seeing as Brad is a bears fan and you are a Steelers fan, you two should role play as Ryan pulls and Omar Khan respectively and try to work out a trade for fields and or the first overall pick. I think that would involve me just calling you. Hey, uh, Ryan, I'm not interested in Justin Fields. And I know you're <laughs> not giving me the first overall pick. Yeah, click. That's it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was gonna be like a Jalen Johnson type bot. Look, they yeah, they yeah. definitely chatted uh, around uh, Halloween yeah. for 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 Jalen Johnson services. We, we we told you that I think. Um, they've, they've chatted a lot, but I don't think it'll be for the first overall pick. I yeah, that is for sure, for sure. I also don't think. I mean, after and I'm making I'm being facetious, but after the Chase Claypool trade, I Ryan pay, Ryan Poles just shouldn't answer when Omar calls him uh, at, at this at this juncture. Just just play that one slow and uh, and safe. Yeah. All jokes aside, look, Fields will go if he does get traded, which I think he will. I think it'll be a second-round pick, at best-case scenario for Chicago. The 1.01 or 1.02 from Carolina is not getting moved again. Um, obviously, it wouldn't in this hypothetical. But, yeah, I get why you wouldn't want him. Um, better than Kenny Pickett. I guess I can say that. I don't know. Yeah, more upside. I I still don't think he's that much better. I would never want to give yeah. up a second round pick for him, just to be honest. No, that's like, fair. Especially because, where theirs could end up landing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think quarterbacks with his specific issue get better at what they're bad at, like just holding onto the ball and not consistently throwing the ball, like just not consistently releasing the ball from their hand. Like yeah. that usually is just like, I see it and I choose to pl- make a different decision. And it's just not usually that fixable. Like, and that, and although I think he's way more talented, I, that plus accuracy concerns, like to me, like he'll probably get some more chances just because of his talent, but I don't think anybody can fix something like that with a quarterback. I would agree with you. Unfortunately, not that I have great hopes for Kenny either. Um, Jamel Price, a uh, big supporter of the program says everyone will discuss OC, the offense and the offensive coaching staff. However, what are your thoughts on moving down, moving on from the DC and special teams coordinator? I think all three phases need new leaders and voices in those rooms. Very difficult for me to say about the defensive side, although I would be inclined just to move. On. I want a new regime. So I would, I would be inclined to say, move on from all of the above. But it is hard for me to like know exactly what level of control Terrell Austin has on a day-to-day basis and a game-to-game basis and what level Tomlin has on the defensive side. It was hard with Keith Butler as well. I venture to say Tomlin takes a good bit of control there because of just how I've seen a lot of the consistent issues from from Butler to 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 um Oh my gosh! I just said his name. Now it's escaping what, me. Terrell Austin or who now? Terrell Austin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Butler to Austin. Um. So, uh, yeah, special teams, I've been saying Danny Smith should be fired for years. Now, he isn't fired because he his units block a punt or usually two punts every year. Like, he is <laughs> – it's very consistent, and he's very good at it, and I will give him credit for it. However, the coverage teams have been bad for forever. I've never seen any special teams unit pick on penalties because of bad technique and just knowledge of the rules and things like that. Um like his units have over the years, they have been horrendous at punter for so long now. Um, so yeah, it's most of those units have been a disaster for years and he's not been let go. So I, I if Tomlin stays, obviously he will stay, but if you're asking just in general, yeah, I'd be willing to make a move at both those spots. I feel like. Yeah. Um, I feel like Pres- Presley Harvin's highlight play was the, oh. the non, the non-call uh, offsides. That was the highlight of his uh, season, I think. <laughs> Classic example. They can't even move on from a punter when it's clear that they've wrong. I mean, this is a couple years now. He's just been sabotaging them and they just won't move on. It's just that kind of stuff just kills an organization. Uh, Stiller fan says, what would be your preferred first round target for the Steelers position wise? They mentioned secondary in the tackle class. I'm inclined to just say secondary is my primary other than quarterback, which you just started like evaluating where you're at. And you're just kind of constantly evaluating that until you have a stable answer. Other than that, I would say corner and, and and defensive back in general. I won't even just say corner because, like I said, I think having a safeties, another safety that can play is really important too. But I would say those are just my primary, um, yeah, but primary positions to address this offseason. Back seven, 110 percent, um, and probably a, not in free agents, like I said, but I guess you could. But uh, another tackle because I think at this point you you clearly have one on the roster because they don't like Chucks. So you have you have Broderick and question mark. So. Yeah, true. And I think it'll be a veteran and I think it'll be somebody that's relatively cheap, like not a big contract or anything like that, but gotcha. definitely is a need. Yeah, no question. Um, realistic shot at Eric Bieniemy is OC. No, that's one you just kind of mentioned uh, people with those. Uh, and he might get fired. So actually. So, yeah, happens. maybe actually. I mean, yeah. he won't get fired, but the regime actually probably be gone. Right, so. right. It'd be like Flores, but like last year, but full on OC. Yeah, yeah. So it is a possibility, I would say. Yeah, I have no idea what how much uh, how much of a realistic shot about that um uh jo- where if tomlin is out where does the steelers job rank among the potential openings that's pretty interesting i would say high for a couple of reasons and you probably know better on this than me and we'll have more knowledge so let me go first and then you can correct i'd say high because obviously job stability is a big part of this like they're going to know they're going for a stable organization they're going to know they're going to a place that they're not going to get fired easily at all they'd have to be just terrible for probably three years um, so they're going to get time to do what they need to do. The roster needs direction and culture. I never thought I'd say that about a Tomlin group. They need um, so, so new new expectations that they need accountability, but you'd have time to do all of that. You would probably have the backing of the organization to do it the way you want to do it. Um, I don't think you'd have too much power, but I think you'd have, like, I don't think Omar Khan and Andy White are just going to like, do whatever they want and not care about what coaches do. That would be probably something that you'd want to find on the interview process. There are some organizations that operate that way, but there are a lot more that are like, okay, let's work with the coaches and figure out what fits our roster best. And after seeing what happened in Philly, I would hope those guys would be that way. Although I guess Howie Roseman, he is kind of an autonomous, I don't know how it is now with him and Sirianni, but in the past, I know that he and Peterson didn't always see eye to eye. So yeah, that I would say it's probably high. Um, 
based on those factors, the fact the roster is not a total train wreck uh, organization, they've had three coaches in history. Like I think it's probably high, but there are question marks at quarterback that are significant that would probably put them maybe behind the Chargers, although the organizations probably couldn't feel much different. Yeah, a quarterback's a huge, huge, huge part of it, and obviously the Chargers like that makes that alone makes it attractive. Every other factor is a gigantic net negative. Uh, ownership, salary cap situation, the roster besides the quarterback, um, mm-hmm. na- you name it. Because the yeah, Steelers have cap room too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like they have resources, and obviously they don't spend it a ton. But I also think, look, Omar, I, I think is is thrown his weight around and and is extremely involved. But I do think you probably could, as a coach, say like, "Hey, I want to be super involved in personnel," and I think you still would have the freedom to be very, very hands on in that capacity, which most coaches do want to be. Um, yeah, no, I, I, way up there. Because the last piece is like, there's always a funny argument of like, well, the quarterback's bad, but okay, that that means maybe you draft your own guy in 2025, and like your window, your your timeline doesn't start right. Like, there's always that stuff too, where it sounds silly, but it's like, okay, well, I inherited this guy, and yeah, he stinks, but like, he's not my guy, and so it kind of prolongs your your window. Anyway, long answer short, I think it'd be one of the most desirable jobs uh, around. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, a couple good questions here I want to make sure we get to, and then we'll jump over to free agency. Uh, man, these are all really good questions. I hate to leave any. Maybe we'll have to bring some up in the next show too. Yeah. Um, how likely is a Tomlin trade from Noah Nichols, great supporter of the show, by the way, uh, how likely is a Tomlin trade, and if it were to happen, to who, to what team, and for what? This is a very much a you question and probably not a me question, but I'm curious to hear your answer. I think it's it's possible, right? I I get that we have been poking holes in Tomlin and, and you know highlighting our issues with him for for an extended period of time. But trust me, there are enough organizations, and I know you've heard this from national media forever. Like if he got fired, someone would hire him ten seconds later. He is still someone that can develop talent. He can still establish a culture. You know, of course, we're talking about now, like maybe the being that player, uh, pro player, is kind of not working in, in some facets. But nevertheless, like it would, I think he would get would get acquired. The Sean Payton market, I think, here's the thing. So he goes for a first and a second, you know, very late first and a second. I think they're probably viewed similarly, but Payton is an offensive coach. And as we talked about, there's probably more value there, Um, you know. So, but I still think you probably are getting a first round pick. I do. But it would probably be from a team like 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 this scenario where Denver had San Fran's first and it was like the 28th pick, I want to say, and then their own second this year. Um, but, you yeah, know, I, I think you're probably getting a first round pick, uh, which which sounds crazy, but I think it's probably true. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know as much as you do on that, but I'm just inclined to agree just looking at what Sean Payton just got. And I would think yeah. that they're probably pretty similarly regarded. Um, and yeah. you mentioned the offensive coach thing for Payton. I, I would say that adds value. Do other teams with what other right. would all right. other teams like some teams may not care about that at all or may not even consider that. So that's yeah. an interesting part of it, too, because Tom could go for potentially the same thing that Payton did. It would be, in my my opinion, organizational malpractice to not trade Tomlin because I do think there will be interest. I don't know why there wouldn't be interest based on just what everything we've heard. People in the know are always like, oh, there'd be tons of interest. I just imagine that there would be lots of interest. Um, maybe I'll be wrong about that. Um, but so it, to me, it would be organizational malpractice not to do it. I don't know if they would do it unless there was a destination Tomlin really wanted to go to. Um, unless he was like, this is where I want to go. If it was just like against his will, which I don't even know how that necessarily works. Like, cause Peyton was obviously thumbs up to where they sent him as well. Right. I mean, that was, I'm sure he would have rather gone to like the chargers or somewhere else, but okay, yeah, maybe, I mean, it gets interesting. It I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. You do want to like, you do have to work with the parties. The coaches can just retire and stuff. And like, you know, like Peyton, the, the whole thing there, why he was sat out a year too, was for a year to go through his contract and make it easier. And then he got an extension so I don't know where Tomlin's like contract lives right now either, but there's so many different parts of it. Um, but look, and Belichick might get traded this offseason too. So there's the market is is back and thriving. Um, I guess Bruce Arians got it kicked off going out your your Buccaneers. Um, but yeah, like it's all you have to let's let's quickly like what teams we think would make sense that like need a new coach and would bring in Tomlin. Like Washington would be one of the first that comes sure, to mind. Just the, the, sure. they would just the stability, like somebody yeah. like that to like, I mean, the, he, again, spokesperson for an organization, somebody that represents you up front and center, like really, really well, like one of Tomlin's greatest strengths. He would establish standards there. Would they win? I don't know, but I don't know that they would necessarily even care about that so much as 
there couldn't be a better PR move. Tomlin is probably as highly thought of as any coach in the NFL. So from a PR perspective, people would love it and love the idea of it until it didn't work. If it didn't work, you know, a couple of years from now, but yeah, that would probably be the top one. I'll throw one more in. I mean, the Raiders for the the exact same rationale you just gave. Yeah. <laughs> Apply it to the Raiders instead of the the Commanders. But would he go to the Raiders? That would. Is there is there bed block or why, why not? No, I just you know like you're just going to work for a totally different type of owner than than yeah. you obviously have worked for. Yeah. Um, it's very different. It's very very different. It's true. Yeah, it would be totally different. Uh the Chargers popped in my mind. Like another organization that feels like I, I mean I know you mentioned the things like kind of cheap questions at owner for sure, yeah. but also they have the quarterback. They did just keep Telesco for a long time as a GM and that you're going to perhaps Tom will be able to come in with some level of control as a GM too. Like they may be willing to, to, to throw a lot his way in order to, Hey, we've got this young quarterback, our cap's a mess right now, but we're going to get this thing under control. Like you're the guy to like steer the ship. You know, they obviously went for a defensive minded guy before. Like I think Tomlin would probably in their opinion, represent a lot of the things Staley wasn't, which, could be appealing um, whether he wants to go there or not or move across the country. You know, that would be a question for Vegas too. I'm not sure. The other thing about DC that makes it so interesting is that Tomlin has roots kind of in those areas, obviously, and um, has recruited in those areas before. And like, that's where a lot of his favorite colleges he's talked about over the years are in those areas. True. And so that all matters True. as well. So Maryland, he loves Maryland he a, lot of, yeah. a lot of connections in Maryland, right? Yeah, a, lot lot of Maryland. Yeah, a lot of Maryland. Connections. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that, that DC Washington is definitely at the top of my thoughts. And also, would they be crazy enough to trade big coffee? They might be. Oh, no, absolutely. No, they told, they told, I think they're going to trade for a coach. Well, that's a bit strong, but like, I think they Who are, it's very possible that yeah. they do it. Yeah. Who else would be available, coach? I think Belichick. I think they might trade for oh, Belichick. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I, that was yeah. dumb. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I just think, I just think Harris wants to make a splash. He also has connections to the DC area. He loves going to Annapolis and Navy and all that. So, yeah, both of those guys. Maybe it's a maybe it's a bidding war uh oh. between Tomlin and Belichick going to the commies. <laughs> so interesting. So interesting. Uh, oh, I would love more head coach trades. Um oh, yeah. Watt's still sure. getting sacks, but this is from Dunegrass Petrol, uh Willie Parker. Uh Watt's still getting sacks, but doesn't seem to be the game wrecker he once was. A lot of talk about chips, but it's not like he wasn't getting chipped in the past. Do you think a lot of this has to do with Cam getting older and Tua retiring? That was a while ago. Maybe they weren't getting enough credit. Um, no, I don't. I mean, obviously, the more threats you have on a defensive line helps. Um, TJ Watt is among the league leaders in sacks, and he didn't get like six in one game like Khalil Mack did. So it is kind of a funny conversation to be talking about. However, I do understand his pressure rate is not what it's been in the past, I think. I actually haven't looked in the last couple weeks, but and also he is not necessarily um what like i mean i don't know we're still we're talking about a tier one passers in the nfl clearly let's just be clear about that like the guy's 70 pressures this season already he's gonna end up with more pressures than he had in any year we'll see i mean he probably he might end up with the most pressures of any season of his career per per, per pffs um uh, sat, or pressure numbers anyway 81 is his career high in 2019 he's got three more games if he stays healthy, he's probably going to eclipse that. So, yeah, I think the win rate is a little bit lower. He's still converting pressures to sacks at an insane rate. I've kind of mentioned the thoughts that I have. He doesn't move around like the top edge guys do. So taking over games becomes harder, like truly taking over games becomes harder because there's just a certain percentage of plays that you are basically just going to be taken out of the play. Now, whether someone else makes a play as a result of that or whether you've benefited the defense in another way as a result of that, would only be true probably if you had better players on the rest of the defense. We're not seeing that benefit because of those things. So that's part of it, I think, a little bit. But right now, because every team knows how he's going to rush and where he's going to rush from, it becomes a lot easier to scheme around him, just preparation during the week. That's why you're seeing all the other top-edge guys move around um, a lot more this season and Watt isn't. So big part of it's coaching. Big part of it, Watt has said in the past, he doesn't want to necessarily do that. Perhaps that's changed. Recently, he was interviewed in spot and he said, I'm willing to do whatever. So he seems more open to the idea unless he's just lying to the media. We'll see. But that is a big failure, I think, right now of, the, of this coaching staff, whoever you want to put that on, uh, because I think you have to be able to do that. And the other thing is Watt. I mean, I think he does need to diversify his rush game. The times he is just dead set on capturing the edge with every rush. He doesn't inside counter very often. He, he stopped power rushing as often as he once did. And um, he is just trying to rely on that. Now the production's hard to argue with. <laughs> I know some of his sacks have been unblocked this season and then that's part of it, but he is a very productive player and he does win at very timely moments in the game. However, I do think he would be a more dynamic player if he was moved around and if he was 
more readily uh, used to counter moves um, as a red rusher as well. Those would be my only two concerns there. Yeah, I mean, it, he's still, like you said, end of the day, he's still clearly an elite elite player. Um, you know, look, some of the production, a lot of the sack production has come, not even unblocked or stuff like that, but like how many of them have come against like with the Titans this past week against Blake Freeland? Like, you know, he's he's also picked on and absolutely bullied some some weaker tackles. Not that he can't beat every tackle in the NFL, but no, he's still an elite player. Um it's just you know, you can't be the best guy at your position every single year. <laughs> uh unfortunately. Yeah. Even if you are as good as TJ Watt. If you're I mean, I know this may ostracize me with Steelers fans, but like I think Miles Garrett's been better this year. Like I think Miles Garrett's been probably the best defensive player in the league this year. So yeah, yeah, he, I mean, I just watched opinion, him against I, Chicago. I was just like, they cannot block him. Like, it's just it a matter was, of whether they – it doesn't matter. Like, they can't block him. Like, it's impossible. It was – I mean, he had 11 pressures and probably would have had five more if they called holding. You know, or, or, like, should, it was – it was. I mean, he was – every single snap, it was like it was just hilarious. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> like, it didn't even – was just, it was like he was playing against, like, another league. It was just crazy. Yeah. Um, Last one, and then we'll jump into that. We have some other good ones, so we're gonna. I'm trying to remember to come back to these okay, maybe boy. in our next episode. But yeah. uh, is George Pickens good enough to be the number one option? This is from D Barnes. Is George Pickens good enough to be the number one option in an NFL offense? How concerning is it that his contested catch rate has gone down this year? We actually talked about that in the last the last podcast, so I'll let that part of the question go. Um, and then he asks, is it a lack of caring, or is there just a lot of variance with that play style? Uh, is he good enough to be number one option is kind of what is his kind of skill set, I think. I'm not worried about the contested catch thing uh, long term, although he was never going to do what he did last year. Like that, I just think that was – he would have been like the greatest contested catch receiver in NFL history if he had done that. So to me, I'm more like, okay, well, is he a number one option of passing tech? And I think we don't know yet, but I feel pretty good about saying that from a skill set perspective, yes, he could be. Like this is a guy that's created separation enough this season and did it in college when he was healthy – that I feel pretty good about him developing into an all-around receiver. I think the catch radius and all that stuff is work along the boundary vertical. He can clearly create splash plays. That's a big part of it. And then after the catch, he's good. Uh, he's good after the catch. We've seen that this season. And he's in the worst yak offense probably in the entire NFL in terms of asking, uh, putting him in position to create after the catch. So I don't have a lot of questions in terms of the big areas that I would care about in terms of skill set wise. My only questions are, does he want to be great? You know, AB, you can talk about his character all you want, and I will, like reprehensible human being and what he turned into be out to be. But there was no doubt he wanted to be great. And his work ethic and practice, all that's the kind of stuff like nobody put in more time. That's going to be the question with Pickens. Like, does he want that? Will he be re-energized if there's a new regime or a new quarterback or a new system or things like that? All those things need to happen. So if they do happen, I think he would be, and I think he could be a very, very, very productive player. However, it just remains to be seen if those things are going to happen. If they don't, will he just be a disaster? So there's a lot of risk involved in getting involved in the George Pickens business. I do think it, it comes down to just like how much do you want to work outside of practice to just master your craft? The talent is there. It's undeniable. I I don't know the guy, but I feel like, like a lot of it's like immaturity, not like he's a bad dude. Like I don't get AB. I get like he's just like young and immature and I think, I mean, look, it can go both directions, but I, I feel like he could just grow out of that, and that will be not, not an issue anymore. Um, and it seems that way. Like, Tom went having to his house for Thanksgiving and stuff. Like, he's, we forget these guys are, like, 22 years old. Like, like we forget that, I think, too often. I was a moron when I was 22 years old. There's no question about that. So, um, yeah, I, I, talent-wise, there's no question. For me, it's like, yeah, you're going to, you know, spend time in the jugs machine and and mm -hmm. work in the offseason, post sweet Instagram videos, shirtless, and running routes. Like, that's that's the name of the game, baby. That's what it's all about. <laughs> it is indeed uh okay let's jump into the free agency rankings here this is fun because i want to take a look at the top of the rankings just for kicks quickly and then we can kind of just talk a little bit about here in the last 20 minutes that we have about who you think would be good targets for the steelers because the top of your rankings are chris jones at number one steelers won't be interested there kirk cousins at number two we'll come back to that in a second josh allen number three the edge from jacksonville uh t higgins number four Brian Burns, number five, uh, the edge rusher from Carolina. Justin Matabuike, who's come out of kind of nowhere this year. I mean, not nowhere. He was a was yeah. second-round pick, I think, and, and uh, he's been round, a good player. Third yeah. round, yeah. And so yeah. he's been a good player. I had a second-round grade on him. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Um, and uh, You're right. He, you, were, you, you had it right, John. <laughs> I, I, had, I, had, I should have been a first-round, maybe. <laughs> yeah, true. Maybe I was too low. Yeah. I saw some – I posted on Twitter that I was like, stand up if you had Justin Matabuike higher than – 
Jordan Elliott, uh, who I know our boy Mike Renner uh, was a big fan of. Um, and uh, who else was – oh, Neville Gallimore. And uh, who's the other guy in that class uh, that everybody – Ross Blacklock. Uh, those Blacklock? Three guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was like the conversation was those four, who's next after Kinlaw and Brown. Kinlaw, I stand by, and I will die on this take. This I don't die on many takes, but if Kinlaw had just been healthy and his, his body hadn't fallen apart – like the flashes, even he showed in the NFL, I think he would have been so good, but he just, that plus his maturity, I think at times like just derailed him. I think he, he's still okay, I guess, but I think he could have been, spe- he had the skill set to be special if that other stuff had come together. But anyway, uh, Matt Abuike has become arguably the best guy. I mean, he and Derek Brown are in that, like it looks like right now this season. So um, what he's going to get this offseason will be interesting. Christian Wilkins from Miami defensive tackle, lots of good defensive tackles uh, in free agency. Antoine Winfield at safety. And then the two corners that we'll probably talk about, Jalen Johnson from Chicago, Legereus Sneed from Kansas City. Those are both interesting parts of the conversation. Let's just trace back to Cousins. I know you have it here in the in, in the writing, but what do you think happens with Kirk Cousins, given the fact that he just had an Achilles injury at his age? Like, How old is he? Is he... 35, I think. He's 35? old. Like, okay, yeah. He's so definitely, he's not young. What do you think happens with him? And do you think the Steelers could be interested? Yeah, so 35 right now. So it's an Achilles injury. Not everyone, you know, is is Aaron Rodgers uh, in, in many ways. Not everyone is Aaron Rodgers. So, like, I assume he's going to be out for, you know, a, a good chunk of the offseason. Um, but I, I think he'd be back by, you know, ideally week one. What do you get hurt? Like week nine? We, no, I guess it's pre-deadline. So, Week seven, probably week six, week yeah. seven, he probably got hurt. I think so, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he actually probably is a decent option. I can tell you this for a, I probably shouldn't say this, whatever. Who cares? Uh, Atlanta, like, had his name circled as, like, we know we don't have a quarterback and we're going to try to pull a Buccaneers and go get Kirk Cousins. Um, there's a lot They'll of connections. Offseason, I think. They'll go hard after him, I would guess. I, I, I think so too. I think so too. He'll have a strong market. I put his, his deal as like a hedge with the injury. Cause I don't know, 35 years old, torn Achilles. Like I, you know, people are like, Oh, you're a moron. Why would he take a non fully guaranteed deal? Yeah, I get that. He's the best, you know, we, his agent shout out Mike McCartney. Uh, he's the one who does the joke that he's Mike McCarthy uh, is obviously an elite agent, but no, he's played that he's played the game well, but yeah. And it, anyway, I could see like that, that, that move is he is the one guy where if you want to go through a veteran, that is a clear cut top 15, I think right now, like top 12 quarterback in the NFL, um that's that's the only answer uh it's just are you gonna spend you know 30 mil 35 mil uh most of that guaranteed on you know per year basis that's that's the you know i don't know it bites in your cap space. How, how much cap space i forgot to look for you how much cap space is the steelers looking at going into this offseason so let's see so for 2024 and, and we also talked about the way they could create some too we said too we yeah, talked about joby yeah. and some other ways they could create cap space yeah, I went through the other day. So right now it doesn't look good, but they have a lot of levers to pull. They're actually projected negative as of right now uh, in cap space as of right this second. So, but yeah, a ton of moves they can make, cuts that we talked about, uh, you know, restructures we talked about. Um, go, go listen to the old pod. I said the number. I got, I got, I got up to thirty million like pretty easily. I, I remember doing it. Okay, so it's possible, but that would probably be most of your. That would probably be your eggs would be in that basket. You'd be looking bargain bin a corner. Minutes. I just don't think it's worth it to be honest. Like I, yeah. I, I've, I would rather rebuild the rest of the roster and try another draft option. I think, um, because what's the ceiling with Cousins? Even if he comes in and plays well, you're not winning the Super Bowl. Like you're not being the That's top the of the AFC. Like yeah, you're you know, not so. the Jets. You're not the Jets with the Rodgers move or the Bucks with the with the Brady move. Like you're not. It's a good roster. It's not yeah, there right. in in my opinion. No, hundred percent, and and there would be arguments if the Jets were there. You know, I, the the Rams obviously were ready. Uh, we everybody knew that the Bucks people yeah. didn't know, but they were much more ready than people thought. Um, so yeah, um, so that's basically thoughts, quick thoughts on the Cousins thing, which really kind of leaves them in a trade for a quarterback situation. We'll see who's even available um, at that point in time, trade for a quarterback situation or or draft one. That's kind of what the outlook is right now. Um, uh, yeah, let's talk about these corners, Jalen Johnson and and uh, Legereus Sneed. We talked about them already on a podcast a couple, like a month or so ago. And good players, both of them. I really like Sneed personally because, as I mentioned, I think he can do everything at a pretty high level. And so that's why I'm pretty interested in him um, because although, yes, he's aggressive at times and like that can affect him in man coverage, I think. 
Um, I just think in general, like a guy that can do everything at high level and you don't have to like, oh, we run this specific scheme and that's what he's good at. I feel like, and you would know better than me, but I think Jalen Johnson is more of a, if you run a zone heavy defense, he's your guy. If you run a man heavy defense or if you like to, you know, multiple and you're switching on time, I, I, to me, he's less effective in that role from what I've seen, but you've seen way more than me. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on these two? I actually think he can uh, hold up well in man. Like he's obviously over time adjusted to this like heavy cover two f- sort of Tampa two fusion uh, that that Eberflus is running. Um, there is more single high now, and they bring in bringing Brisker down and, and letting Eddie Jackson just ball hawk. But like I think he can. I mean Utah, he played for a college player a good bit of like bump and run, like press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he'd sometimes it would sometimes be bail technique. He'd press and just get out of there, but. I think he's scheme. I think he is is scheme diverse, and I wouldn't really have an issue um, playing him in any type of scheme. I really wouldn't. Okay, no, that's good to know. Uh, I would say he, both of these guys need to be on their radar. Like, yeah, I think they need to come away with probably one of them in free agency. And and I don't know. Do you think there's a high? Ch- what do you think happens with these guys in free agency? That might be the best question because the tags available, but. Kansas City's also got a Chris Jones situation. Just in general, are they going to? They've drafted a tons of corners. Are they going to pay Snead? If so, are they not going to pay McDuffie in a couple of years? I know that problem is. It was McDuffie a first rounder? He was, wasn't he? Yeah, so first round pick. Yeah. No, I think years there. Very confident. Lajarius is a stub, but like I, the Chiefs just that's what they do. Like they just they draft literally like three corners on day three every single year. Uh, one of them hits, and then Charvarius Ward, then he leaves. Like it's just that's just how they do it. So I'd be surprised if he's back. Maybe they find a way. Um, but they like McDuffie. They like this new kid, Shamari Connor. Uh, was it J- Joshua yeah. Williams Jim or Watson? Joshua Williams. <laughs> got yeah, tons like of they have now. dudes. Yeah, like they're all good players. So. Um, I think he'll walk and I think he will have a pretty good market for sure. Cause he has the inside outside versatility. I think he's sticky a little too, a couple too many penalties this year, but I, I think it's just aggressive play. Um, Jalen Johnson. It's interesting. So I don't want to say too much here. The tag is certainly available. Um, I think if they thought he was a franchise tag worthy player, they probably would have gotten a deal done by now. May, and maybe I'm wrong in, in that thinking, but so yeah, I I think he probably gets tagged, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hits the open market. Um, no, I'll put it fifty one forty nine. It's not like a you know I'm sitting here looking at T Higgins or a Josh Allen like uh, uh, getting ready to remove the guy the guy from my list because I know he's not actually going to be a free agent. <laughs> if you know what who I mean. was that? Sorry, you cut there. Is that Jalen John? I was no no I was saying he's not in that like T Higgins like like Josh Allen category where it's like this guy is oh, a yeah. is kind of just taking up space until I have to replace him. Like Johnson could go either way. I think it genuinely could go either yeah. way. Okay. Interesting. So both could potentially be options. Let's say they strike out on those two for whatever reason, or they end up going back your next couple players on this list, Michael Pittman, Jr. Wide receiver for the Colts, uh, Denell Hunter for the Vikings, Mike Evans for the Bucks, Tyron Smith for the Cowboys, <laughs> maybe an interesting name, but with his injury history, we'll just got to see. I think he's probably just back on one years until he's done. Uh, Kendall Fuller for Washington would probably be the next guy. I was a little surprised to see you have him this high is because I just I literally don't think there's a team I've watched less than the Commanders this season. Uh, the teams I cover don't haven't played them. Uh, the Bucks and Steelers, obviously, I have very little reason to watch them. They're never on primetime. Um, they're just a horrendous football team. I think I don't find them very interesting, especially now that Sam Howell's definitely not the guy. So anyway, I Kendall Fuller, he's still this guy. Like in your opinion, like you really think he's the 15th best free agent, huh? Could be a PFF issue. I mean, I did watch the tape. I, I do like him um their defense is just so 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 bad it's tough sometimes to kind of differentiate like what the issue is <laughs> but I, part of why i like him too and the thing is that the ranking like the projection all that matters more than the ranking like i think he could be a strong safety a uh you, you know a nickel corner like he's just just a good good fluid athlete um yeah. probably probably too high but you know uh it is what it is it's also i do like the class but I don't think it's very top heavy. I think after the first like eight, it's just like a bunch of like good football players. So 15 through 30 is kind of like indistinguishable to a degree. So interesting. Kettle Fuller has taken the path like that not many have traveled where he was basically exclusively a slot corner early in his career. And then he's been exclusively like basically almost exclusively an outside corner yeah. for the last couple of years of his career. And now you have him. He's still only, I mean, he'll be 29 in, in February. So he'll be 29 as a free agent, but he, I mean, he's been around for a while. Like he was drafted in 2016 and he's still 
you know, relatively young player and and has really been consistent. I mean, for grading for y'all. And when I watched him, I know when he was in Kansas City, he was a good player. And early in Washington, the year that uh, was a couple of years ago now that Tampa Bay played them in the playoffs, like he was really good that year. That game wasn't good, but he was good that yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely a good player, very steady, consistent player, I feel like as well. So he's somebody I'm going to have to get into the tape on because I've seen a good bit of Snead and, and some of Johnson um, and I'll, I'll need to watch more. I want to watch more of Johnson for sure. But that one really interested me when I saw that. I was like, wow, Kendall Fuller that high. So uh, I'll uh, I'll let you know my thoughts on that one down the road probably. And then last couple, Leonard Williams is next. Marquise Brown, not player steals, will be interested in Bryce Huff for the Jets, um, DJ Reader for the Bengals, uh, Kyle Duggar for the Patriots. That's an interesting one. What do you think of Duggar? Like we talked about safety and having two kind of, and that brings us probably to the next two guys in the list, Cameron Curl and Kyle Duggar. What do you think of these guys and the potential to fit next to Minka Fitzpatrick to be multiple? Like I've, I've been kind of a consistent fan of Cameron Curl and I really wonder what the contract would look like there. If I, I guess you think they're going to tag that both these guys could get tagged. Do you think the Patriots would tag Duggar too, just based on what they I mean, they've, they've kind of just do this thing at safety, right? Where they bring in a new guy, bring in a new guy. Like they've got uh, what, Phillips there. They've got uh, a- Adrian Phillips there and they've got uh, Peppers. Uh, Peppers there. Yeah. So, and Marte but, Mapu, the, the rookie drafted. too. Yeah. 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 I I will say like, sometimes I'm trying to push off. I mean, I do think both are legit tag candidates because that just goes more by the position too. Like it's just a cheaper spot. So yeah, that's why you see so many safeties get tagged. Um, Cause it's just like, yeah, we'll punt this decision for a year and we'll see what happens. Um, Duggar, I think it's possible. He's interesting. He's like a 25 year old rookie because the Patriots just love old rookies. Um, so it's like, how much, how many years left do you really think he has? I love him. I mean, I think he's a perfect fit next to Minka. He is a safe, he's a safety linebacker hybrid, but I think he can cover number threes and, and tight ends, you know, uh, well enough. Um, that, that like he's not a liability in coverage by any means. Cam Curl, though, I think, um, Anyway, I, I projected both of those guys before the season for extensions. I had Duggar at like 14 a year and Cam Curl because of draft status, seventh-round pick, all that. Um, and he was like three years, 40. Um, and I think neither one really dram- dramatically changed their market this season. So it's right in that range, like 12 to $15 million per year, I think, is where those would end up. Um, and, uh, yeah, Curl I think is great, too. Curl, Curl can play anywhere in the formation they mm-hmm. we do something called like shannon entropy which i couldn't even tell you what that means i don't know uh but but arjun menon who's a whiz kid over at pff yeah kind of looked amazing. at yeah we looked at different alignments for different positions and if there's any impact on the market and so like obvious ones like if you're a slot receiver you make less money like you know congrats good, good work pff uh but also like uh diversity and moving around at safety it, it, it impacts money more than any other spot and Curl mm. can play literally anywhere. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I, I think he'd be great next to Minka. Uh, he's, he's a good player. He's played 32% of his snaps in man coverage this season. That That's, yeah, to be able to play in the slot, like that graded pretty well for you guys, at least. I mean, so, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I'm very intrigued by Cam Curl. I obviously, I don't want, the Steelers won't break the bank for another safety, so the, it, the, the cost will depend. But the safety market, oh man! I mean, there's been so many weird years with the safety market. It's is it the hardest position to predict where it's going to go? Or yes, safety and linebacker, I do the worst on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part in part because I mean, again, like I've talked about it, PFF I think struggles there the most, just capturing. You know, like I think it struggles. Blame. It's like level of blame. Yeah, like assigning blame or penalizing guys for missing a tackle, but it's like, yeah, but like we joked about this off air, like the Buda, the Buda Baker principle, like yeah, he had misses a lot of tackles because he's in position to make tackles that nobody else would even be in that position. So, happened yes, with Petrie anyway, last well, year. Yeah, Petrie, yeah, long Petrie end, had like yeah. the highest missed tackle rating years for you guys, and everybody's like, this is crazy amount of missed tackles, but he's also like led all DBs and tackles for the year. Like exactly. He, just exactly. he had like our highest run defense grade in the NFL over a five-year period among safeties. He was first, but also was like sixth in missed tackle rate. And it was like, yeah, because he's just like the guy is, is throwing his body around like a heat-seeking missile. So mm-hmm. Grant Brown is such an interesting conversation to tackle as the next guy on the list because in some ways he's like, this guy would be great for Pittsburgh. You know, like a, a big, powerful, mean, you know, people mover type of, tackle who but you just never know where he's going to be you never know if he's going to be good or not year to year you never know where his weight's going to be like there's all these different issues with him oh yeah and now he's older and so when are the injuries going to strike and he just strikes me as a huge risk but 
I wouldn't rule it out on him. So he was the name that came to mind when you mentioned it. He it, it is buying high, and there is so much risk. I mean, the guy literally has weight clauses in every contract, where if like he makes money or loses money, depending how like, and the numbers are hilarious. It's like under four hundred, under three eighty. It's like some of the benchmarks for him to if he stays below, he he gets a, a chunk of cash. So, but he's awesome. I mean, he can play both sides of the line too. Um, yep. I mean, just stout stout pass that. protector. But yeah. he was the name when you mentioned it earlier that came to mind. If they are going to make a uh, make an investment there, it is it carries a lot of downside risk, but also a lot of upside. So yeah, for sure, that might have to do with who they are as head coach. Next three are Kevin Dotson. Calvin Ridley and Mike and Wayne for the Patriots. We'll talk maybe more about and Wayne, but that gives us through the top 25 to wrap up this show. So some thoughts for people on that, on the free agent market. Thanks for the questions, everybody. We've got another show coming Thursday. We'll preview this upcoming Saturday game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Until then, we appreciate y'all. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Yins No Ball podcast.